0: So this morning, for the Word of God, um, I'm excited to bring to you a new new series, a new study. Um, We have been just week by week, we've been trying to get a sense of of what the Lord is saying to us as a church. And uh, in in light of just the pandemic and in light of the civil unrest and, and the various things, we felt it to be appropriate to just allow the Lord to speak to us as elders each and every week and to bring the Word of God Accordingly, in a, in a cogent and a timely manner. And so, um, but with that as well, I'm eager to just give ourselves and to avail ourselves to some regularity, to teaching, um, to studying of the book, to understanding and, and, and building our biblical theology. So, this morning, my aim today is to present to you somewhat uh, of a harbinger to our new series study through the book of, wait for it, drumroll please, Hebrews. Really excited to challenge ourselves. Um, to give ourselves to the study of the book of Hebrews, so this morning, as I said, there's going to be a, a bit of a harbinger if you're not familiar with a, what a harbinger is it's It simply just means a signal or an indicator of what is to come and so I'm going to also ask for you this morning for a little bit of grace because what I'm not going to do is open to a particular text and teach a text, which if you've been with us for any point of time, you would know that's a, a little bit abnormal so What I really want to do for us today as a faith community is speak to you from my heart and to share with you what I believe God is saying to us. And use this as an introduction of sorts and as a a setup as we move into the book of Hebrews. And as I said a moment ago, one of the things that we endeavor to do and that we have been doing each and every week is to get a sense of what God is speaking to us. Hydration station with me today. So each week as elders, we try to get a sense of what is God speaking? What is God teaching us? What is God calling us to grow in and to increase our sense of understanding and knowledge of him that leads to maturity? And so I want to speak to you today on what Hebrews will do in that aim and in that goal. And I'm excited for it because I believe that the Lord has something for us presently within it. It's been said before by some scholars that there are few studies that can be more beneficial for the Christian life today than that of Hebrews. That's a, a rather significant and profound statement. There's very few in some opinions, some, some theologian and scholar's opinions. There's very few other epistles and books that can be studied that have such a benefiting impact for the Christian life today. Hebrews is written to a group of Jewish Christians who are facing persecution during the mid-first century. The words of this epistle, they speak to all Christians in all walks of life. The beauty of this is that it has whole life application for the Christian life. And it's encouraging the believers, the Jewish Christians, in the early first century to stand firm in Jesus Christ it's calling them and it's calling us to press on in faith and to find our hope. To find our hope centralized on the surpassing supremacy of Jesus Christ. That is what Hebrews presents at the time to the Jewish Christian readers and to us today. So why Hebrews now? And I just want to tie what Rick said last week to where we are going into the book of Hebrews in the next couple a few months. Last week, as I listened, as Rick spoke on the significant and central truth that the revelation of Jesus Christ is the beginning, the source, the goal, and the means by which we live. As I listened to him speak on that last week, I felt like the Lord spoke to me in that moment that to deepen our understanding in this, to deepen our understanding in that Jesus, that all things are what? By him, for him, through him, to him. That centralized truth of the, of, of the, the absolute supremacy of Jesus Christ. That to deepen ourselves in that, in our understanding in it, would result in the discovery, listen to this, the discovery of a broader, deeper, and more significant all of life encompassing application. So, to give ourselves just to the meditation on what was said last week at an extended amount, over an extended period of time, I believe will not only just deepen us in our understanding of who God is, but as to the totality of the impact of that and the application of that for our life which in turn in and of itself will prove not only to be anchoring, but I would say even more importantly, bolstering. It doesn't only anchor us, but it bolsters us. It strengthens us in that which informs and guides every aspect of our life. So we're not looking just to increase our knowledge of who God is for us in the sense of just what he's done. But then, as we've said so often, what is the result of that understanding? How do we apply that understanding to our life? How do we live that out, and what does that look like? And this is what Hebrews is going to do for us as we just give ourselves to the meditation and to the understanding that Christ, that Jesus the Christ, is the beginning, that he is the present, and that he is the end. In other words, the revelation of Jesus Christ as the aim of all our intent and all of our effort is not only a stabilizing truth, but it is a catalytic truth as well. It calls, it propels us into a life of living out that truth, which of course we know that is the Christian life. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, standing in the Areopagus in Athens, Rome, Paul makes this statement concerning Jesus the Christ, and he uses it by quoting a poet of their time, one that they would be familiar with. He says, in him, speaking of Jesus, in him, we live and move and have our being. We live, we move, and we have our being. Not only do we just find ourselves rooted in him, but we find ourselves mobilized by him, affected by him in all aspects of our life. He's saying that Jesus Christ in this statement that Paul makes in Acts, that Jesus Christ is the means for the Christian life, the origin, please hear what I'm saying, the means for the Christian life. Jesus Christ is the origins of the Christian life, and he is the influence upon the Christian life. This life of following him is all-encompassing. He doesn't just affect our head knowledge, but he affects all of who we are. There is a change, a metamorphosis of our being, and therefore our thinking and the way, of course, that we act as well. There isn't any one aspect that is outside of his effect, control, or or rule for our life. Last week, Rick also spoke to the need to know, recall, and meditate upon the truths of our faith that are guiding and central for our life. The picture that I have was that we are like navigators who continually return to their compass for true north or for their true bearing or like a carpenter who constantly returns to his carpenters to their carpenter level to ensure that the walls and the floor and that the angles are straight and plumb and exact that is what we are as a christian it's necessary for us as followers of jesus who is our confessed what way truth and life not just our confessed truth but our confessed way and our confessed life it is necessary for us to regularly be measuring our thoughts steps and intents against these essential these essential and central truths that are within scripture as Rick encouraged us to do last week. For again, what does a navigator turn to when their visions of the stars is obscured? When the clouds come in by the thick of darkness under the cover of night? What do they do? Where do they return to as a navigator? They return to their maps. They return to their records of ancient paths charted and traversed by the many who went centuries before them. This is what the Lord is instructing us to do. And then we find that in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, this is the very thing that God is calling his people to through the mouth of Jeremiah. He says this, by the roads, excuse me, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. And then he says what? Find rest for your souls. Look for the ancient paths. Look for the way and find rest within it as you walk. Brothers and sisters, can I say this? These times in which we live today, they don't need something new. The times that we find ourselves in at this moment, they don't need something that's clever, something that has been reinvented, something that has been relevant. Listen, what they necessitate is that which is tried, It needs desperately the ways that are certain, the ancient paths that have been forged for us, not by human wisdom, not by man's intellect or strategy, but they have been forged by the divine navigator. The one who went before us centuries ago. That's what these times need. We must immerse ourselves within, as Rick said last week, the stabilizing and central truths. So to this point, the ways and the means by which are proven to lead others to the truth that is the Christ, those are the ways that we give ourselves to. In an age of Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds and doom-scrolling, and 24-hour news cycles and, you know, notification alerts that pop up on our mobile devices, just an absolute information overload, I want to ask you this. Where do we find our faith stabilizers? What do we turn to? Where do we go? As we're talking about this, that we are navigators and, and followers of Christ who are looking to point others to him, Where do we go when our faith needs to be bolstered and strengthened? Not to mention everything else beyond what I said of of all the the constant information that comes into us. Everything else that we do and that we give ourselves to that we're just so busy with each and every day. Are we anchored? Are we stabilized? Are we being propelled by something that's greater and deeper and truer? I I want to share something with you for a moment. Um, it's very practical. I'm, I'm going to go from this kind of these broad statements and, and questioning to uh, uh, just sharing with you a, a graphic that I have found to be personally encouraging and probably more so challenging, but just speaking to this moment here of these um, faith stabilizers and, and the need for us to have our, our kind of faith nervous system constantly plugged into something. Uh, a friend and an elder from Southlands Church by the name of Brett McCracken, who's also the, the chief editor for the Gospel Coalition. Uh, a number of years ago, he had uh, created and shared this, and I had the privilege of listening to him speak on it for an evening, but I want to share it with you here at this moment. This is what he calls the Wisdom Pyramid. And uh, it should be up on your stream at this moment, but you'll see he he mimics something similar to the Food Pyramid. And we know that from our years of of education, that the food pyramid is that which is on the bottom. The foundational things are those things that we ingest the most, and we work up from there. And the things that are in the top of the food pyramid, the sodas, the sweets, the sugars, the complex carbohydrates, etc., etc., those things we should take in in very small portions. And just again, without losing our way here this morning just yet, I want to speak to this point of our faith stabilizers. And you can see here, he begins that the thing that we should be ingesting the most, and you've left, the it's up still on the stream, right? Good. The thing that you should be ingesting the most is the Bible itself. It's scripture. It's the truth of the word. It's our holy and our daily bread of life. That is what we should wake up first thing in the morning and think to, give ourselves to. And then he says the next is, the local church and church tradition that, that is supported by this constant intake. And then, as you can see, he, give yourself to nature and beauty, he suggests, and the revelation of God and the nature of God through such things. And give yourselves to literature and to books, and then give yourselves to the Internet, and then give yourselves to social media. So my question to you this morning would be this. This is my question to you all today. What proportion of these lead to a healthy life of wisdom and joy? What are we ingesting, and to what degree are we ingesting it? What is being neglected, or what is perhaps disproportionate in your life? See, this isn't the moment where your pastor stands up before you and says, listen, you need to be praying and reading your Bible more. No, this is the moment where I appeal to you and I say, if you want to be effective in your life for God, if you want to mature in your life and you want to be effective with the gospel within your life, you need to be giving yourself to that which builds, which stabilizes, which anchors, which is the central and deepening truths of our faith. You don't get to scarf on carbohydrates and then sit around waiting for your six-pack to develop, right? Trust me, I know. (laughs) No, you give yourself to working. You give yourself to, to crunching those abs, to making them work, and to developing. All right, enough said on that. You get the point. I believe that this is where Hebrews is going to be helpful for us as well in these kind of centralized. So let me move on quickly. I want to give you, just with the time that's left today, I want to give to you three things that I believe that God is speaking to us as a faith community. Three things that I think he's calling us to grow in at this time, each of them being a significant theme and emphasis through the book of Hebrews. This is why I believe God is calling us to move into Hebrews at this time. So, the first one is this that we must grow in the knowledge of the supremacy of Jesus. God is calling us to grow in, this, in the knowledge of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Secondly, He's calling us to grow in the knowledge of the sufficiency of Jesus. So we must grow in the knowledge of his supremacy. We must grow in the knowledge of his sufficiency. And thirdly, I believe that the Lord is speaking to us that we must grow in persevering faith. We must grow in persevering faith. See, the first two are found in our charts and in our paths that I spoke of a moment ago. The supremacy of Jesus, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, they're found in the ancient ways. The third one, it's the result of the apprehension of the first two. The grace to persevere is the result of our faith being fixed to something beyond and above this very life. We persevere because we know that all of the promises of God find their fulfillment in Jesus. This includes not only our past, but also our present, as well as our future. Each of these three things, the supremacy, the sufficiency, and the perseverance of the faithful, the writer of Hebrews, he builds one upon the other like a brick upon a brick, as though he was building a pillar of some sort, whose structure is precise, Whose structure is masterful, whose purpose is for longevity into the ages, but whose instrument of design is no human hand, but rather God's himself, like this picture of the Parthenon. This is this picture that Hebrews can conjure for us in a sense, of a pillar being constructed for a purpose. So we begin with the first, that we must grow in the knowledge of Christ's supremacy. I would say this, it has to begin here. It has to begin with the apprehension of Jesus' superiority. And we'll see this laid out for us really within the first half of Hebrews in chapters 1 through through 7. Personally, what this means for us is that when our hearts see this, when our hearts grasp this understanding of the supremacy, and we grow in the understanding of the supremacy of Jesus Christ, we acknowledge what has always been true in one sense, but more importantly, this is what we're doing. We're bringing our hearts and we're bringing our minds into alignment with this truth. We aren't teaching ourselves something that is necessarily new. Instead, we are bringing ourselves in alignment with that which has always been been. We elevate and we worship Jesus as king on the throne of heaven as we grow in our knowledge of his supremacy. Jesus as king of the throne of our hearts, the one who reigns in victory and sits in rulership over kings and kingdoms of this earth. We elevate him as we establish our understanding of his supremacy. To confess the supremacy of Jesus Christ is to declare that there is none greater. As we sang today, there is none worthier. There is none that is higher than he. There is none therefore more deserving of the praise and honor of our lives as an offering unto him. This is what it means that Jesus is supreme. Over all things. That's the personal benefit. That's what we grow in personally. But missionally speaking, because there's not just an inward effect, but missionally speaking, Jesus' ascension to grow in the understanding of the supremacy of Jesus Christ is to understand that Jesus' ascension from death to life and to where he is seated today in the throne of heaven to a glorified state place as king means that all things have been placed in subjection to him it's to grow in the understanding missionally of the authority of jesus christ and the commission that we have as his ambassadors upon this earth in speaking of this paul will say in colossians chapter 2:15 that jesus by the cross that he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And having accomplished this work at the cross, Paul would then say in Ephesians 4.10 that he then also ascended, having disarmed the authorities and rulers, that he also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Waiting for the day when, as the writer of Hebrews would then say, In chapter 10, verse 13, waiting for the day when his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. This is the place that Jesus has taken today. Disarming the rulers and principalities and authorities, ascending to the place of king far above all else until that day, the final day, when finally his enemies will be made as a footstool, Hebrews tells us, unto him. Again, this isn't something that we're just learning to be true. This is something that has always been. And growing in our understanding of the supremacy of Jesus Christ not only affects our own understanding for us personally, but it affects how we live for the gospel as well. Understanding this dramatically affects how we view the mission we're called to as his church. And as Rick said a few weeks ago, it's time for the church to rid itself of that mindset of the defeat and retreat mentality that it has. It's time for the church, as I said a moment ago, what the world needs now isn't something new and reinvented. The world needs something that is ancient and deepened by ancient truths. That's what the world needs at this time. The necessity for the growth and the knowledge of Christ's supremacy directly affects the second in that we cannot understand Christ as sufficient until we grasp the breadth of his supremacy. Think about that just for a moment. We cannot understand the sufficiency of Jesus Christ fully until we have understood the breadth of his supremacy. Hebrews will not only will show us that through, excuse me, Hebrews will show us that, that through Jesus, the Old Testament comes into perfect view. The new covenant which Jesus inaugurated is better. Hebrews will talk about how his sacrifice is better, how his mediation is better, his priestly role and his kingship, all better than the former. That's what it means that he is supreme. Secondly, we must grow in the knowledge of Christ's sufficiency. And I will ask you to open your Bibles this morning. It's absolutely necessary. Open your Bibles this morning. Let's look at Philippians. Just as in this truth that we must grow in the knowledge of Christ's sufficiency. I love this portion of text in Philippians chapter 3. It's a, a well-known a well portion of text, but... Just as to this, listen for a moment. It says this, Philippians chapter three, verse eight. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, verse 10. listen to this this listen to this force that Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This statement that I might know him that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Listen, this, this knowing him is part of what I have just said. It's knowing him personally as Messiah and Savior. It's knowing him as God, as the Son of God. It's knowing his holiness, his sinlessness, and his perfection. That's what Paul means in this, that I might know him that I might know the supremacy, the breadth of his effect on my life, the breadth of his calling for my life, the breadth of the power of what he has done for me. What comes into view in this then is from this intimacy of knowledge that Paul is desperately stating that he longs for is the understanding of his benefits which are given to us through our fellowship in him. This knowing Jesus, this truly knowing Jesus, leads to an understanding of the fullness of the benefits that are ours as a result of what he has done for us. Our union with him and our fellowship that we have with him by grace. A healthy and right understanding in this creates a healthy and right understanding of our adoption as sons and daughters. It affects our belief in the effectiveness of Christ's sacrifice, the breadth of it, and our inclusion within it, as I said, in our union with him. See, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ is the path that we walk on, Yes, when we look to the left and to the right, we might find danger, or we might find folly, we might find harm, but within it, within this path, that is Christ is sufficient for you, that Jesus Christ is sufficient for me in every way, not just a trial or an adversity. This is the path by which we walk on. It's the surety for our feet. It's the clear direction for our life. And listen, it is the guarantee of our arrival. That is what what the sufficiency of Christ means for us in this journey of life. It's not just an anchoring truth. It's a catalytic truth, brothers and sisters. And I love the emphasis that Paul has here in Philippians chapter three, that by any means possible, That by any means possible, I may too attain this resurrection. Paul knew, listen, that this attainment necessitated giving everything he had to it. Everything. There was nothing outside the reach or the lordship of Jesus Christ in Paul's life. All of his energy, all of his life, all of his plans, all of his intention his resources, his possessions, all of whatever money Paul might have had, all of it, as he said before in that portion, not only did he thrust it all towards the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus and the furthering of his mission, but he even saw it for what it was. It was a means to an end. It was not the end in and of itself. Paul knew this. We must too grow in this mindset. We must grow in the knowledge of our sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And lastly, and I want to end with this today, that we must grow as a result of growing in our knowledge of the supremacy of God and as a result of growing in our knowledge of the sufficiency, we then can grow in our own lives of persevering faith, which is what we're called to. When those two have come into proper view, and apprehension, only then are we prepared and able to follow faithfully in the footsteps of those who have gone before us. And we'll see that within Hebrews as well. In this way, faithful perseverance in the mission of the church is not only thought of as arduous and difficult. When we understand, when we understand that persevering faithfully is simply following Jesus, is continuing as Jesus has called us to, perseverance is then not only seen as overcoming obstacles and difficulties in life. Perseverance is the daily life of the Christian. It's the daily life of the Christian, in the highs and in the lows. It's a faith-filled continuance is what perseverance is. A faith-filled continuance. Regardless of how many switchbacks there are, how many obstacles, how many delays, regardless of the ease of travel, perseverance is a faith-filled continuance. There's a quote by an American scholar, a theologian. He's actually the gentleman who is the author, or, or however you want to put it, the the translator for the message interpretation of the Bible. His name's Eugene Peterson. He says this. He states it brilliantly. I believe when he defined perseverance as a long obedience in the same direction, that's what it means to faithfully persevere. That's what we're called to as Christians. A long obedience a long obedience in the same direction. That is the Christian life. And brothers and sisters, as I said, that comes as a result of apprehending the first two. We want to remain steady on our course. We want to remain fixed in our navigation. We want to be propelled by something that is greater and truer. And when we do this, then the church, I believe, is poised for her mission of radical impact and countercultural truth living. But I think we have to remember that like a pillar that is crafted, its longevity is determined by its craftsmanship and its structural integrity. Only then can its purpose be fully realized. See, the church needs this reminder today, I believe. This is why God is calling us into this season. This is what we'll look for as we study through Hebrews. And again, as Rick spoke of last week, that the church is in danger of becoming purposeless. But when we give ourselves to the growth in the knowledge of his supremacy, and the growth in the knowledge of his sufficiency, and the growth in the understanding of our call to faithfully persevere, then I believe the church has positioned herself rightfully to be the church, not as a purposeless church, but as a, as a community of purpose and intent, of clarity of vision not of of wondering whether we'll stumble and fail or we'll stumble and fall, but knowing that Christ has placed us on the path, that he's not only made the way, but he's giving us direction and that he is calling us towards him as we teach and preach faithfully. So I believe this is what we are going to endeavor to do through the book of Hebrews. I hope that this was helpful as just an encouragement as we set our eyes towards it I would say to you this week, spend time beginning to read Hebrews chapter one. Give yourself to it so that next week as we come and as we open the book of Hebrews, we together will already allow our minds and hearts to be steeped in the truth that we're going to present ourselves with. So I would just say, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may he deepen us and strengthen us. May he stabilize us in these these so significant and central truths of our lives. May he give you the grace this week to follow him wholeheartedly, to bring all of your life into the submission of his lordship. May he give you the grace by the power of his spirit to study the scriptures, to have them illuminated to your hearts, to put off the distractions and the things of this world and to put on the new creation life that we have. Let me pray just as I end. Lord, we thank you for calling us in this time. Lord, we are privileged to be followers of you. And as is always the case, Lord, we set our hearts towards obedience, the intention of our minds, Lord, towards rightful followership. Lord, would you help us today in these things? We look to you, Lord, to grow in Our knowledge, Lord, of you being supreme, not only in our lives, but in over all the earth. And Lord, of course, we continue to look towards a growth of understanding of how the cross impacts us, our thinking, our living, the deepening of our hearts, Lord, and the purposes of you. And Lord, we look towards being those who not only are called to persevere, but who do. As Eugene Peterson says, the long obedience in the same direction. May our lives be characterized as such, Lord, so that in the end, we may hear the words of Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And as the anthem of Paul would also be upon our lips, that I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. May we too be such a people. Father, we love you. Father, we look to you today. We confess our dependency upon you and at the same time we confess the joy of our hearts that you have given to us all that we need for this life. May we live in the grace of Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit in your name. Amen. Be blessed today as you go. Enjoy your week. Be strengthened and encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ.